this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode india it would appear is in perpetual election mode every state assembly election analysts believe will tell us about the mood of the people as the country moves towards the big one the lok sabha elections of 2024 will narendra modi be able to grab a third term as prime minister does the opposition have enough to see it across the finish line in 2024 is the conviction and disqualification of rahul gandhi as a member of parliament a turning point for the opposition does the congress reaching out to aap chief arvind kejriwal carry political meaning what about the noises emanating from within the ncp will the opposition alliance hold firm till 2024 in maharashtra i'm going to pose these and many more questions to our guest for this episode purnima joshi political editor and delhi bureau chief of the hindu business line welcome to the in focus podcast purnima hi amit So Purnima you've been traveling in Karnataka uh, you know I just want to pick your brains on you know the people you've spoken to what is the mood in Karnataka like of course we are focused on the assembly elections there but what's the mood of the people is it for change or is it for status quo You see it's not uh, I didn't see a great uh, sort of resentment towards the present uh, government there is anti incumbency but uh, there is that mood that uh, mood for change I wouldn't say because uh, assembly elections uh, i think are fought on various uh, uh, local issues which include anti incumbency but also depend a lot on caste equations on the predominant uh, issues that are being uh, debated at the moment uh, so right now i think in karnataka the bjp is facing a challenge because they have anti incumbency against them Uh, but also more than uh, more than that there are uh, issues of caste and community that have uh, been raised in this election you know i mean uh, bjp uh, in fact you know uh, bjp's main support base in karnataka comes from the community of lingayats who form about 17% of the electorate and have been the backbone of the bjp's social support base now that has become a little shaky in this election because of uh, earlier neglect of yadurappa he was sidelined then the bjp kind of uh, brought him back into the mainstream and uh, gave ticket to his uh, son from shikaripura so he was placated but uh, there have been high profile desertions from the bjp uh former chief minister jagdish shetar uh, quit then uh, mr sevadi lakshman sevadi another prominent lingayat leader quit so there've been a spate of desertions from the bjp uh ayanar manjunath from shivamogga uh, he's contesting on a jds ticket so there've been a lot of these uh, community desertions from the from the bjp which will help the congress which thrives on a coalition of uh, like a rainbow coalition of castes uh in this in the region and interestingly bjp has never uh, won a majority i mean they they got uh, seats under yadurappa earlier but they've never won a majority in uh, in karnataka assembly it is the congress that has always uh, uh, i mean that is the only party you know which has consistently shown the ability to uh, reach the majority mark in in karnataka but for the moment it's a, it's a very it's a very tight contest the with a slight edge to the congress because of the of the reasons uh, that i am counting 
but uh, we are getting into the slog overs and the prime minister is very very popular there amit right picking up from that point purnima what you said about the prime minister being popular it would appear you know the two terms that he won uh, you know very convincingly the, the second one more than the first and what is your sense you know as a, as a keen political watcher who's been watching the indian political scene for quite a long time what is your sense in 2024 we have about a year to go for the lok sabha elections is it your sense uh, mr modi and the bjp will face a challenge or will the is the opposition so weak and so divided that it will give the bjp and mr modi a cakewalk see opposition is weakened and divided right now and bjp is very strong without a doubt prime minister continues to be a uh, i mean i would i would go to the extent of saying that uh, almost 50% of the bjp seats come from the popularity of uh, the prime minister like in karnataka for instance they are flagging uh, and they are depending on the prime minister to do his seven day tour and deliver the goods because wherever you go modi continues to be popular in in karnataka so even if they're not voting for the bjp here they will still say modi is good for the country that, now that being the case and the opposition not having a, a pm face you know the uh, the complete kind of uh, disunity that that you see right now is a factor but i would point out a couple of things to you amit in the national context uh, see bjp is comfortable there are a few states which matter uh, more than the others in the lok sabha elections now bjp has got one of them completely under its wing which is uttar pradesh with its 80 seats but there have been things that have happened in bihar and in maharashtra where the bjp has lost crucial allies and without those allies uh, they would it would be difficult for the bjp for instance uh, in uh, bihar 40 seats and uh, bjp if you remember Uh, had got 39 seats in the 2019 elections but that was with uh, with nitish kumar and i'll tell you the importance of nitish kumar in bihar also nationally is that nitish kumar with his uh, you know you can say that he belongs to a small community with numerically not so influential numbers uh, the kormis but nitish kumar is very important for the bjp because because of the certain exceptionalism about bihar If you look at Bihar, Bihar is a state that was governed by uh, permanent settlement in terms of land relations, and uh, it uh, unlike uh, Bengal, where Operation Barga happened under the under the CPM government, Bihar did not see that that kind of land reform, and it had it was witness to absolutely violent. and uh, uh, and strong agrarian movements naxalite movement uh, originated in bihar uh, so of till the till the late 90s uh, i would say you would see these um, extremely violent conflicts uh, in bihar which were rooted in land particularly but also there is a caste dimension to it that uh, unlike the la- neighboring up even where zamindari abolition act kai kind of empowered and uh, distributed land among the intermediary castes in bihar that did not happen so upper castes the bhumihars the thakurs the brahmins they own vast tracts of uh, land in bihar so the political coalition and the consolidation of uh, what is called the lower castes or the so called lower castes has been around 
a agrarian movements and in in terms of mainstream politics it has consolidated around the socialists uh, so lalu prasad yadav became the leader not just of yadavs in in bihar but also a leader of dalits so if you have bjp on one side and you have lalu on the other side and nitish kumar goes to the bjp side bjp gets an obc face to showcase although they have a lot of low obc leaders on their own but bjp cannot survive with just on uh, with just upper caste support uh, in bihar because upper caste numerically unlike up again which has 13% brahmin and 7% thakur bihar doesn't have that kind of numerical strength so what you're trying to say is that the bjp could be in trouble in bihar bjp what i'm trying to say is that uh, i'm giving you all this background is to to highlight the importance of nitish kumar for the bjp and now that he has gone and uh, jump ship over to lalu prasad yadav it form, forms a very very strong alliance like you saw in 2015 assembly elections they they won a convincing majority in uh, in bihar assembly so nitish kumar is a is a very big loss for the bjp in bihar they had fought, uh, 39 seats in bihar out of the 40 now in this situation and with this kind of caste alignment i do not see them crossing uh, a lot of seats called uh, you know i crossing maybe 10 or 15 seats in bihar that's a lot of loss now maharashtra again yeah, coming to maharashtra i i just want i i'm sure you have a sense of what's going on there but i just wanted to ask you first what are the noises that sharad pawar is making i mean uh, when the whole opposition is demanding a jpc into into this adani business he takes a different view then he backtracks you know which is quite uh, normal in our politics and then ajit pawar says you know i'd like to be chief minister now and then uh, mr pawar has a meeting with uh, gautam adani suddenly so what is your sense what is happening in maharashtra can you explain this to the hindus uh, in focus listeners you see one is mr pawar's uh, sort of long standing reputation as a pro corporate he is a very pro business political leader politician uh, he has always harbored good relationship with the bis- bi- big business in india and uh, you know unlike uh, the socialists or even the congress which has always maintained uh, an arms length from the bi- from the big business mr pawar has thrived on his corporate uh, relations in fact the prime minister modi uh was supposed to have been inspired by mr pawar's uh, politics in the earlier years and uh, you know they shared a very good relationship at that time uh, mr modi and mr pawar and uh, mr pawar was seen as the sage voice given advice you know on various matters including business uh, and relationship with the business one is that background the other is the issue with the congress is that the congress is the weak part everywhere so mr pawar uh, i believe uh, is supposed to have communicated to the congress the inability of rahul gandhi to fetch votes that in the event of a larger coalition uh, of the opposition this inability or handicap uh, that the congress has in terms of you know if you look at every state congress is is emerging as a as a weak link everywhere so why i'm pointing out this is is that mr pawar's uh, positioning right now would also be to kind of set the terms for the congress to a bargain for more seats 
B, uh, put them in their place. C, highlight the importance of regional players like himself, as opposed to the national presence of the Congress, which doesn't really match with the ground reality, where there, where the Congress is the weak link in every chain. Uh, so the second is that. The third is a whole lot of uh, cases and the specter of, uh, uh, you know, the Enforcement Directorate and the CBI chasing after uh, after their leaders such as Ajit Pawar and uh, Praful Patel. Uh, so Mr. Pawar wouldn't like to face this kind of specter and he would like to work on the alignments that he has with the BJP to sort these things out as opposed to them becoming an issue. So work it out with the BJP so that their leaders don't land up in jail. The party doesn't face the kind of prospect that uh, uh, that Ahmadmi party is facing in Delhi. So these are the kind of backdoor parlays and uh, positionings uh, that Mr. Pawar is capable of and is doing right now. Purnima, what's your sense? I mean, uh, we saw this Bharat Jodo Yatra led by Rahul Gandhi. And then recently we saw this uh, rather dubious disqualification of Rahul Gandhi as an MP coming from a lower court in Gujarat where uh, he was convicted and uh, he was sentenced to a two maximum two-year jail term for defamation, criminal defamation, and then he was disqualified. So what is your sense? I mean, you rightly point out that the Congress is seen by many political leaders as a weak link and almost everywhere. But what is your sense if there is to be an anchor in this opposition alliance, and we know from past experience, a lot of the opposition khichdi is really cooked after an election is over. What is your sense? I mean, will the Congress now be reduced to a bit player in this entire game that's going on? And regional forces like Mr. Pawar, Mamta Banerjee, Nitish Kumar, um, Lalu Santejasvi and others will become more powerful? Yeah, I mean, there are two schools of thought here. One is the DMK, Nitish Kumar, uh, even Sharad Pawar uh, school which believes Congress to be an integral part of, a, of any uh, opposition alliance and an important part. So regardless of his uh, present positioning, Pawar is very firmly in the camp that believes that uh, Congress needs to be part of a national alliance, opposition alliance. There is the second thought, which is uh, largely propelled by people like Arvind Kejriwal, BRS, even Mamta Banerjee. I'll come to that later. Mamta Banerjee has had a meeting with Nitish Kumar uh, recently. But uh, these are people who believe the Congress to be a there of no use. And their strength has grown uh, at the cost of the Congress, whether it's Mamta Banerjee in Bengal or Arvind Kejriwal in, uh, in Delhi. So two parallel schools of thought. Uh, so uh, in that, so these people don't seem to believe that Congress is important for any national alliance. Arvind Kejriwal, in fact, would benefit everywhere at the cost of the Congress, as we saw in the Gujarat elections as well. Kejriwal's, uh, whatever vote he got in, in, in Gujarat, was largely uh, at the cost of the Congress. So he, he's demolished the BJ Congress government in Delhi. He has gone and toppled the Congress in, in Punjab. So he grows at the strength of the Congress. And Mamta Banerjee is also not so enamored uh, of the Congress, in uh, particularly where, whereas where the Bengal context is concerned, because uh, Mamta may have a good relationship with Sonia Gandhi at the national level, but at the regional level, 
there are uh, leaders like Adi Ranjan Chaudhary who do not advocate an alliance with Mamta Banerjee and they would rather go with the left there. So, um, so these are two schools of thought, or, thought operating. But I think the consensus would finally emerge with the minds like Sharad Pawar and Nitish Kumar particularly prevailing that the Congress would be important in a national uh, kind of an alliance of the opposition. And Nitish Kumar is working very steadfastly on that. And uh, I also believe that uh, without the Congress, uh, you know, the national kind of thread in, a, in an opposition alliance is sort of missing, but uh, it would largely be a coalition of the regional players with the Congress as the binding force. You know, so it, it may be a weak link, but they would need a, a national kind of presence to consolidate their alliance. So, uh, so this election will be fought uh, from the opposition's perspective. See, for the BJP, it, it helps them to have a national narrative with the, with the prime minister as the presidential sort of a, of a candidate, uh, him versus the rest. Whereas for the opposition, it helps to be a more uh, localized, diversified kind of election where the local forces, provincial parties, regional issues uh, come to the fore. And that's where the BJP is, is as, at its uh, weakest. So, you know, the challenge to the BJP really lies in the kind of subnationalism that we have seen in Tamil Nadu, for instance, even in, uh, in Bengal, uh, you know, the outsider tag sort of uh, works to BJP's disadvantage, uh, you know. So the opposition would like to focus on issues like caste, subnationalism, uh, you know, the anti-Hindi feeling in the South, the diversified nature of the electorate. That would be the opposition strength as opposed to this pan-India, one nation, one people kind of narrative that the, that suits the BJP. Uh, so as of now, uh, I think the, the school that thinks uh, that the Congress should be uh, the binding force in an opposition alliance. That is working over time, and Nitish Kumar has been very, very active. Uh, and uh, I can see that uh, Mamta Banerjee is also coming around to uh, to that view. I mean, it'll take a while for them to stitch up these things, but uh, they had a meeting recently, Mamta Banerjee and Nitish Kumar, and she talked about opposition alliance and so on. Uh, so that that would be an important sort of uh, development. Like I was telling you that in uh, major states uh, like uh, Bihar and Maharashtra, again with 48 seats, uh, Bengal with 42 seats, uh, you know, these are important states to watch out for. If the BJP's tally has to, has to go down, it will go down in these states. You know, Bihar with 40 seats, Maharashtra Maharashtra is 48 seats. If you uh, notice, in Maharashtra, the BJP had won 23 out of the 48 seats in the last elections. And the Shiva Sena had won 18, but that was when they were in alliance. And now that there is a split, and uh, Shiva Sena under Udav Thakre has got kind of some, some kind of uh, sympathy factor and... Uh, the Eknath Shinde-led uh, faction of the Shiv Sena, uh, you know, it it has run into problems. There is a court case. They do not want uh, a full-fledged alliance with uh, whatever flirtation that the BJP is doing with Sharad Pawar's party. There has been heartburn about that uh, among uh, that faction. You know, so it is it is a mess in Maharashtra right now. Before, before I let you go, Purnima, I have two uh, questions to ask you. 
The first is, is it your sense there is a fear among opposition leaders? Because after all, Rahul Gandhi only lost uh, his uh, parliamentary seat. But if uh, cases were to be filed, say, against Mamata Banerjee, we know Kejriwal is already facing a case, other leaders, you know, who are actually, uh, you know, sitting chief ministers, and uh, they face a certain uh, legal process. You think, is this fear of what happened to Rahul Gandhi, is this fear now driving the opposition to show some kind of unity? Well, I wouldn't really say that. I don't think it's fear driving them. I don't think they have an option but to get together. And as far as uh, Arvind Kejriwal particularly is concerned, he's he, if you notice, in the last three, four months, he's become even more vehement against the BJP. And Mr. Kharge actually picked up the phone and called Kejriwal, the Congress President Malikarjun Kharge. Exactly, exactly. So Kejriwal, when he's under attack, he's become even more vociferous against uh, the, I mean, he's he's mounting a personal uh, attack against the prime minister, which he was not doing for the last two two years. He was trying to get along with the center and run his government. But now I think he's, he's pushed to the wall. So he's giving it all he's got. And he's attacked the prime minister for his degree. He's made personal attacks. He's called him most corrupt. So I think he's decided that uh, to attack is the best form of uh, defense in this kind of situation because the BJP is is out to get their party. Uh, you know, all their prominent uh, uh, sort of ministers are in jail. AAP is under threat by by the BJP. They're a new party. Uh, so Kejriwal is uh, is giving it all he's got. And he's good when he's he's fighting, uh, fighting a, you know, like he's doing this David versus Goliath kind of fight. So there is the reality that the uh, that the center is using the investigating agencies to target uh, political opponents. Mamta Banerjee has already been uh, targeted. Uh, you know, her party has been under target. So they would like to dig in their heels and give it as good as they, uh, they've they got, uh, you know. So uh, I think they will fight on their turf a very, very bitter fight in the 2024 elections. Mamta will very strongly, uh, like she did in the assembly elections, she's a fighter, uh, you know. So uh, in West Bengal, where also the BJP would be looking to expand on their tally, you know, uh, there's... Uh, there also, uh, you know, Mamta Banerjee, you know, BJP had got 18 seats uh, out of the 48, uh, 42 in uh, Bengal. Uh, Mamta would like to reduce that tra- tally. She's kind of browbeating a whole lot of this local BJP types. And she's got a strong mandate uh, in the assembly. So one would look at how the BJP does in Bengal as well, you know. So my question is, if the BJP's tally is going down, in Bihar and in Maharashtra and in Bengal, large states, where is it making up? Where is it expanding its base? Because uh, there is buzz that, uh, you know, they'll create some uh, sort of expansion in the south. Uh, but I don't really see see it happening anywhere except in Karnataka. And to some extent, maybe in Telangana and uh, Andhra Pradesh, but not too much. Tamil Nadu and Kerala will remain out of bounds for the BJP. Yeah. So, so my thought really was that uh, the BJP is aware. I mean, they are politically very, very sharp uh, uh, strategists. So they are aware of the fact that uh, of the three, four major states, there is trouble in Bihar and in Bengal and in Maharashtra. 
so if you uh, look at a uh, national picture these four states are very very cru- crucial bjp has got uh, up but uh, in bihar in maharashtra and in bengal there is trouble for the bjp ally trouble in maharashtra and bihar and in bengal there is very strong mamta so i think the the battle would be very very fierce and these people would like to join hands with each other at a national level but they would also fight uh, fight on their turf and that would be a better fight so finally purnima before i let you go what is your sense uh, we are seeing a very polarized india we haven't discussed some of the issues uh, you know for want of time but uh, we see a tremendous anti muslim rhetoric uh, emanating from top leaders of the bjp we see a polarized country and we see that all these political speeches seem to work this division seems to work so are we going to see more of this division as the country heads towards 2024 and can this clinch the issue for the bjp see it uh, it will definitely be the narrative as far as the bjp is concerned in the hindi heartland uh so if you are looking at up even in bihar there have been riots on ram navmi if you noticed there have been three big incidents of violence in in uh, bihar they would like to communally polarize these uh, these states but i'm not sure whether that narrative works in the south uh for instance in karnataka they really tried with the hijab controversy the halal controversy the tipu sultan uh, sort of constant attacks against him none of that has worked in karnataka so karnataka election is not being fast fought on uh, communal hindutva issues at all in fact that has backfired for the for the bjp uh, so that would be a narrative definitely in the hindi heartland where, where it matters but it would depend on on the opposition's capacity to focus focus it elsewhere you know apart from the prime minister's personality and the and the bjp's communal rhetoric how much of of the discourse the opposition is to can kind of focus on local issues on diversity issues on subnationalism on caste arithmetic all of that uh, would depend on the opposition's political skills we leave it here for uh, this episode of the in focus podcast and i do hope you'll give us an opportunity to pick your brains as uh, india moves full scale into the lok sabha polls uh, due next year thank you very much purnima joshi bureau chief delhi bureau chief of the hindu business line and political editor of the newspaper for talking to the in focus podcast thank you in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.